Welcome to the Michigan Minds Podcast, a quick and informative analysis of today's top issues from University of Michigan faculty. Thank you both so much for joining us on Michigan Minds today. I'm very excited to learn more about your research project. So I want to jump right in, get started. Could you each please introduce yourself, sharing your name and your title, and tell us a little bit about where your research focuses? Good morning, everyone. My name is Carol Manessa. I'm a professor in civil environmental engineering. Uh, my research is on human building and built environment interaction. We explore methods and ways to make um, uh, the built environment safe and, and healthy for occupants and uh, users of the built environment. We have mainly three main tracks. One track that looks at office workers and their well-being and health. One track that looks at construction workers and trying to eliminate the burden, physical burden of doing construction work, also helping them being more productive and uh, healthy. And Finally, uh, with this project, we are looking at the uh, intersection of people with physical disabilities and their interaction with the built environment. Thank you. Morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Vineet Kamat, and uh, I'm also a professor of civil and environmental engineering and um, also have a joint appointment in uh, electrical engineering and computer science. Uh, my main area of research is in um, automation and robotics with uh, general applications in the construction, operation and maintenance of the built environment, as well as uh, human interaction and experience within the built environment. Fantastic. Thank you. So I'm really excited to talk with you both today about a project in which you are the lead PIs looking at long-term solutions for people who use wheelchairs for mobility. And this project recently received a grant from the National Science Foundation. So can you start us off by telling us about the goals of this project? I guess the goal of the project is basically to enable independent mobility in people with physical disabilities. And what we mean independent mobility here is taking into consideration their preferences as well as giving them control over their mobility needs. So when we talk about navigation and maneuvering in the end-to-end -end mobility spectrum, we are interested not only in providing um, autom automatic or automated uh, navigation maneuvering, but giving them control and providing them with uh, what they need. So basically looking at their preferences, their historical use of the system, their preferences, and enabling them to uh, navigate themselves as independently as possible to their destination and final, final location. I think um, uh, to what Carol said, um, I'll just uh, add that uh, at an overarching level, the main goal of this project is to improve the overall experience of people with uh, physical disabilities in the built environment. So generally speaking, I think uh, uh, you know, a large body of researchers agree that uh, uh, in terms of innovations uh, that directly serve people with physical disabilities, uh, one major breakthrough that happened in America was the ADA, but that was uh, several uh, decades ago. Uh, since then, most innovations uh, that support people with physical disabilities have been sporadic, maybe focused more on changing building codes, uh, focused more on developing better wheelchairs. Uh, 
but uh, what we are trying to do in this particular project is uh, be able to use uh, the innovations and technological advancements in communications and robotics uh, to be able to fundamentally change how uh, people who use uh, mobility devices such as wheelchairs uh, interact with the environment and are able to more independently meet their end-to-end -end mobility needs. Thank you. So what led the two of you to collaborate on this project? Uh, I think uh, uh, we have been um, working in automation and robotic technologies together for a long time. As uh, Carol mentioned, uh, you know, her primary expertise was in uh, human building interaction and um, finding ways to improve human experience uh, within the built environment. And independently, my own research was focused on automation and robotics, primarily with applications to construction and operation of the built environment. Uh, we um, at uh, like uh, informal uh, gathering, we uh, ended up having a conversation with one of our colleagues, uh, Clive D'Souza, who is uh, a co-principal investigator on this project now, and he's at University, University of Pittsburgh. And uh, he worked exclusively in his career uh, with uh, people with physical disabilities. Uh, and uh, he primarily was interested again in um, uh, coming up with ergonomic solutions to improve their experience within the built environment. So when uh, the three minds uh, and three areas of expertise came together, I think it naturally evolved that uh, there is an opportunity to bring together expertise in, in working with people with physical disabilities, uh, bring together Carol's expertise working uh, to improve the human experience in the built environment and uh, the type of work that my own lab did in automation and robotics. Uh, and that's how the project was conceived and uh, came together. Fantastic. Thank you. A great example of interdisciplinary work. Yeah. So uh, this is a really broad question, but can you explain how you will conduct the study? So um, the way we plan to conduct the study, we, we are terming it participatory design process. And what this means is that the design of the end-to-end -end mobility system that we are proposing will be motivated and directed by the individuals who are going to use it. Um, so to achieve this, what we're, what we're going to do is our project will start by recruiting a cohort of people with physical disabilities through several of our uh, collaborators like Ann Arbor Center for Independent Living and uh, Michigan Vet and uh, Higher Vet. And then uh, we will work with this cohort in their, and let them report to us on a daily basis how their experience with the current uh, mobility systems that they use. And then based on that, we will have also meetings with them and um, try to understand in more depth what are their needs in an end-to-end -end mobility system that would make, it, make them independent and also uh, less reliable on caregivers and uh, maybe family members who help them um, so our, our approach would start like this. We will then develop the technology or improve on the technology that we already have. And uh, based on that, the next step would be to start testing the technology with the individuals. And we, in terms of that, uh, we have two uh, pronged approach to testing. The first one would be uh, in laboratory settings, so much more controlled environment in terms of the uh, 
path planning for navigation and the maneuvering tasks. And then as a result of this testing, uh, we will improve again the end-to-end -end mobility system. The cohort, the initial cohort who has been with us will continue to provide feedback and input. And then as a last stage, we will do um, several routes around Ann Arbor Ypsilanti area and do actual testing on real buses and uh, getting people from one location to another. I think um, uh, I'll add to what Carol said is that uh, the participatory design process I think is one of the key components of this work. So generally speaking, our approach has uh, uh, two directions. One is the technological di direction. And uh, typically some research projects in the past have been um, you know, uh, guilty of going too far along the technological route without involving the potential end users uh, of uh, the technology or the system that uh, the group is working on. Uh, in our case, the participation of the cohort of uh, users, potential end users who will stay with uh, the research team throughout its duration is one of the key components that uh, I think will bring a lot of value to our team. So there are uh, two distinct parts. One would be the technological track and the other would be the uh, social engagement uh, component. And uh, they're clearly not independent of each other they are completely moving in parallel and uh, you know uh, supporting uh, each other so the first phase will involve gathering data understanding needs and using the participatory design process to generate technology requirements for technology development and while those steps are moving in par parallel we hope to at every stage test it out and get additional feedback from our cohort of users and we believe that this two-pronged approach uh, positions this project for you know uh, success much better than if they were independent so in addition to involving the cohort or the people who are going to use the uh, mobility system we are proposing, we will also have uh, several um, uh, interviews, focus groups, interviews, and surveys with the immediate caregivers of the users of the end-to-end -end mobility system. And just to understand like the effect of having a more um, user-friendly, if you want, end-to-end -end mobility system for the people with physical disabilities, what effect would that have on their uh, direct caregivers as well as uh, health professionals who support them in the community? Thank you. Can you discuss why it's necessary to examine both indoor and outdoor environments and how you'll navigate that process and the different complexities that those environments present? Yeah, sure. So uh, when we talk about end-to-end -end mobility, the typical scenarios may include a person uh, who uses a mobility device uh, starting their journey maybe in their home or you know where they are uh, in a particular building at a given time and then their destination could be a specific room in another building that potentially may be an unknown environment a place that they have not been before so the motivating example we typically use is a person starts at their home and maybe wants to go to a very specific clinic or room in a building as large as the University of Michigan hospital or the VA hospital so the components of this journey 
journey include going from their home to maybe the nearest transit point, which is a familiar environment, uh, then boarding the bus and maybe the bus directly goes to the nearest bus stop at the destination or might go to an intermediate transit point like Blake Center and a person has to switch buses. And once at uh, the nearest bus stop at the destination, they need to get to the building entrance where, uh, you know, they are visiting. And bear in mind, it may not be the main entrance. It could be an entrance that is accessible in this case. And once inside the building, uh, maybe it is where uh, the most complexity, uh, you know, is introduced because now you have a very large building uh, that may not have been visited by the person before. And um, uh, anyone visiting that building, like, for example, the Michigan Hospital, we know that we need some time to find out where we are going and how the building is, you know, laid out. Uh, and uh, with uh, having uh, navigated or maneuvered that part of the journey, maybe the person reaches where they want to be. So as you can um, imagine in this example, there are several par uh, portions of this journey that involve both indoor and outdoor environments. And yet uh, the person uh, who is on this journey is uh, going through two fundamental functions. Uh, they are either navigating from point A to point B or intermediate points, or uh, within any of these navigation steps, they are trying to maneuver and get themselves into the best position so that they can take the next steps. So these two fundamental ideas, navigation and maneuvering, can span both indoor and outdoor environments. And that is why we need to treat these uh, two things kind of you know, together or uh, uh, make no assumptions about when we are indoors and when we are outdoors, and that the switches are continuous and have to be smooth. I would add that um, another important aspect of this uh, process is um, even though you might provide a path, maybe using Google Maps in outdoor environments, there is an the example that maybe the accessible ramp or sidewalk is blocked due to construction, maybe blocked due to ice, it hasn't been cleaned yet. So um, you will need to provide immediate assistance to the individual so they can find the next best route for them. Um, similarly, in an indoor environment, you might route them towards an elevator. Maybe it's uh, being cleaned. Maybe it's uh, it's not, opera not, not operating that day. And uh, maybe that's the route they know. But finding out that the uh, a closest elevator is not working would require uh, would require some assistance for them to find the next best elevator for them to reach their destination. So um, an important aspect of this is how we can provide um, learn in real time what the situation is and provide them if we get to a point where um, the route that we are giving them is not accessible, how we can provide immediate assistance and alternative routes. Uh, to get them where they need to go. Uh, one quick thing, if I might add, might uh, be you know contextual to the listeners and um, our audience, is um, we haven't had an opportunity yet to define what we mean by navigation and what we mean by maneuvering in this context. So uh, navigation in the context of this project is. Uh, being able to uh, figure out a path to go from point A to point B or any intermediate set of waypoints. Whereas maneuvering is uh, the kind of small steps we take to situate ourselves in a confined space. 
and maneuvering usually uh, is an issue that needs to be addressed because uh, people with physical disabilities often find themselves having to maneuver under time and space constraints so for example as carol mentioned they may be at a situation where they are stopped for an elevator and the elevator door opens there are three or four people already inside and now uh, we know they are all waiting and would like to you know continue their elevator journey so under this circumstance i have now to make a three point turn and reverse into that elevator so this is like a maneuvering situation under a time and space constraint similarly maybe a bus comes and stops uh, at my stop uh, the ramp comes down and i know that uh, uh, there are people waiting i want to get along with my journey the others want to get along with their journey uh, yet i have to now climb that ramp and very quickly spin the wheelchair around park it in a given situation within the bus so this is another maneuvering situation uh, once i get off a bus i now have to figure out what are turn by turn directions to get from the bus stop to the door of a building that is more of a navigation situation so if we draw a parallel between you know uh, like a car uh, using a gps is navigation uh, sometimes if we find a parking spot and ask the car to self park that's maneuvering so this is the analogy that we usually use in our research to describe what is navigation and what is maneuvering so the indoor and outdoor uh, spaces also are connected because when a person wants to go from point a to point b uh, there are several navigation and maneuvering steps along the way that have to be uh, considered uh, you know as interconnected to each other uh, to improve the end to end experience and i think that is uh, hopefully establishes what the main context of the work is yes thank you so much for clarifying that. So why is a study such as this vital to the community and how will it help create more welcoming environments? So our research shows that there are around 4.3 million people with physical disabilities or individuals who use wheelchairs for their day-to-day -day activities. And this number is expected to grow at a 7 to 10% rate for year. Um, given improvements in health systems and um, the aging of the population. Um, so one important aspect of this uh, research is how we can provide these individuals with, the, uh, with opportunities and independence to seamlessly remain part of the community, allow them to still uh, be able to uh, be uh, employed, be uh, active members or in social events and things like that. So one important aspect of this is enabling the individuals themselves to be part of the community and uh, feel independent. But as also the other important aspect it is reducing the burden on their caregivers. Um, and that as well makes things better for the caregivers and reducing costs on the healthcare system as well. Yeah, I think uh, those are very good points. I'll um, uh, just add to that, uh, that uh, mobility, I think, is a key determinant to an individual's prospects, be it in education, be it in um, finding you know, uh, good jobs, be it in their ability to socialize. And uh, therefore, lack of mobility is not only detrimental to the prospects of the individual who is affected, but also to society, because then the society is deprived of all the contributions that such individuals could make. Uh, and uh, as we talk about being um, inclusive and making a city welcoming to all of its residents, 
there is uh, in recent times uh, increased uh, focus on things such as adding bike lanes and making a, a city bike friendly or you know uh, walking trail uh, adding walking trails to make it walk friendly and things like that uh, as technology becomes more accessible and uh, cities strive to become smart cities uh, i think uh, the time uh, now is correct to be able to think of making the city more inclusive and accessible to a large segment of our society uh, uh, the people with physical disabilities who use mobility devices of various types uh, uh, for their you know end to end connectivity Uh, so i think within this context it is uh, very important to take advantage of our expertise and uh, the general uh, status of the technology that can enable uh, such innovations uh, to make uh, you know uh, our environments more accessible uh, more friendly for independent mobility reducing the burden on the caregiver community and at the same time providing all the other opportunities that would otherwise have been inaccessible and i think i would like to add uh, that even though our focus is going to be on uh, people who use wheelchairs um, and their for their mobility needs we hope that this uh, project will set the stage or the uh, things we are going to learn from this project will set the stage for us to um, develop uh, or like uh, build on the, the results of this research for other uh, other individuals who uh would would need such an end to end mobility system uh so for example talking about people who are blind uh, this can be another uh, or the next step in our research yeah i think that's a very good point so people with visual impairments is another segment of society that uh, uh, also i think could significantly benefit from some of the aspects of this work uh, at a later time uh the needs of uh, users in uh, that group are a little bit different than the needs of people with physical disabilities who may use mobility uh, uh, equipment uh, but uh, many of the underlying ideas related to connectivity and uh, information sharing uh, within a mobility context uh, are the same for uh, both the groups so i think uh, there is quite a bit of scalability uh, opportunities in the project as well thank you and you're working with some local organizations to facilitate these studies can you share why that's an important element to a project such as this yeah sure so uh, i think as we mentioned in the beginning uh, a participatory design process is like uh, one of the key like the cornerstone of this uh, project and uh, when we talk about uh, receiving input uh, uh, the context is not only the potential end users but also other stakeholders in this uh, mobility end to end mobility ecosystem and that would include caregivers that would include healthcare uh, uh, organizations that would include the city that provides infrastructure that would include the transportation agencies uh, that provide the buses and other modes of transportation that could include the manufacturers of wheelchairs and mobility devices so each of these stakeholders plays a unique role in what they can contribute towards improving the experience of people with physical disabilities so uh, with this understanding our project team has tried to assemble a team of experts uh, with the uh, Uh, who has experience in each of these sub disciplines so uh, with that goal in mind 
we have partnered with the University of Michigan Health System or Michigan Medicine Wheelchair Seating Service, uh, which is a unit within the UM hospitals that uh, outfit custom wheelchairs to meet the unique mobility needs of each individual that comes as a patient uh, to their uh, facility. We are also participating with um, uh, the uh, VA hospital system uh, because there are several patients uh, in their uh, care uh, who may have physical disabilities. Many of them, uh, you know, encountered during uh, times of war uh, as uh, former service members. And uh, they also represent a group that is very active and willing to participate in a project uh, like this. So that is another uh, important team member for us. Uh, there is also the Ann Arbor Center for Independent Living, uh, which is a community center that uh, serves the needs of uh, people with physical disabilities. And they also are a partner uh, in this project because uh, they have uh, experience working with uh, several individuals related to meeting their mobility needs and are also conveniently located uh, close to our university so that we can collaborate with them more closely and they can provide us uh, with opportunities to interact with their members uh, and give input to the various activities as well. So in terms of community engagement, I think for this project and so the institutions and organizations that we need mention are essential, I think, uh, to the success of our project. Uh, so uh, the objective is that this project would uh, lead to benefits and uh, be useful to the end stakeholders. And the only way to do that and ensure that we are doing that is through engaging the immediate the individuals who will use it, but also who will benefit and um, uh, be able to provide us with the knowledge and expertise of what actually happens in the field uh, for us to be able to provide the beneficial uh, end product. Um, I guess in addition to the institutions that uh, Vineet mentioned, we have also several collaborators um, that come from multidisciplinary backgrounds. So um, our uh, our colleague uh, Clive D'Souza at University of Pittsburgh, he's a human factors expert and um, uh, has been working for several years now with uh, people with physical disabilities, particularly designing um, accessible buses and ramps for them. Uh, our colleague Patrick Carrington at uh, Carnegie Mellon University, he is um, an expert in uh, mental model formation. Mainly what we mean by that is the interaction between the individual and any technology. So understanding uh, that trust relationship that happens. So for any individual to use even a phone or uh, any device, they need to develop trust that this uh, system is providing providing them with the services they are looking for. So his expertise is at the center of uh, measuring trust, especially in people with physical disabilities and interaction with technologies. Um, and our colleague Chen Fei Chen, she's at University of Tennessee. She's a social scientist and would be uh, helping us in terms of understanding the social, economic, uh, psychological factors associated with the um, uh, first of all, uh, the navigation and maneuvering parts uh, independent of our system, but also once our system is implemented and tested, what are the implications or what are the uh, issues that we need to be aware of as well? Thank you. 
So I like to ask every expert who graciously gives us their time on Michigan Minds this question as we near the end of the podcast. And sometimes it's very difficult to come up with, with just one thing, but I like to ask if, if you could share one or you know one each, a takeaway that you hope everyone listening has from this information. What do you want them to remember from everything that you've shared with us today? I think, um, as we have mentioned earlier in this uh, talk, uh, engaging with the potential end users and other stakeholders in this ecosystem of mobility is a high priority for our project. And um, what I'd like the audience to take away from this podcast is that uh, this is uh, an excellent example where our vision aligns with the vision of our college, uh, and that is people first engineering. And uh, if we try to understand what are the full dimensions of people-first engineering, we'll see that it involves not only taking input from potential stakeholders and end users, but also deeply engaging with them throughout the research and development process, because eventually that will lead to better outcomes and better deliverables, and also will uh, give us the opportunity to magnify the impact of our research uh, and uh, its uh, uh, products uh, to have a larger impact on the intended end users as well as society at large. Um, the main main takeaway, I guess, is uh, the idea of end-to-end -end mobility and the challenges associated with it for uh, people with physical disabilities is um, is important and significant, and uh, it's very important to look at solutions uh, to this problem, uh, mainly to enable independence, to enable uh, reduce cost. And when I say cost, doesn't necessarily mean economic cost, but also social burden on themselves and their caregivers. Uh, another important aspect for, from this research is the engagement of the stakeholders in from time zero in the project is important to us. And finally, I, uh, I think getting feedback from the community since we are going to start publishing and uh, sharing the results of our research, getting feedback and input from the community is, again, very important to us. And so um, that's part, I guess, of the process that we are uh, excited about for this project is uh, the way we are doing the uh, research itself is uh, very uh, exciting for us. It's a wonderful example of public engagement work, which is, um, you know, part of the reason I'm so happy that I got to meet both of you today and speak with both of you. Before we wrap up, is are there any final thoughts or anything additional that you would like to share? I think as researchers, uh, one thing we wanted to add is uh, this is also a unique and somewhat new experience for us because. Uh, as uh, academicians, there is usually a tendency to, you know, uh, forge a hammer and hope that somebody out there wants it uh, and this will be useful to, to others. But uh, I think as the culture in research and emphasis um, on including stakeholders and participants in the research process uh, continues to improve for the better, 
uh, we are also already learning and experiencing that uh, this uh, results in us defining the research objectives much better and in a more clear way and uh, all the intermediate milestones and potentially the end product will also uh, have a much higher chance of being useful uh, and being you know actually deployed for its intended use so i think uh, uh, this team approach uh, is uh, something that is quite unique uh, to this project uh, in terms of uh, the breadth of stakeholders and uh, the duration for which they are going to stay with our project and that is something we are quite excited about so I would like to add two things. First, um, in addition to the research and the research approach that we have talked um, a lot about in this uh, interview, I think one important aspect of the project is also education and involving a diverse uh, set of students and undergraduate researchers, graduate researchers in the research project and uh, making, making an impact on their, um, on their education and their careers as well. Um, so a significant part of our work would also look into how the uh, results of our research can be integrated in the different classes that we teach, um, at least in the copies, different departments, and uh, how we can benefit from the results of this research to educate students, but also the involvement of graduate students, undergraduate students in the um, actual research activities is an essential component of our research. Um, and finally, I think I would like to thank the National Science Foundation, particularly the Smart and Connected Communities Program, for their uh, trust in our project and for uh, supporting us financially to be able to uh, achieve the vision of this project. Thank you both so much for joining us today. We really appreciate your time and uh, all the information that you've shared with us. Thank you. Sure, thank, thank you. you. Thank you for listening to the Michigan Minds podcast, a production of the University of Michigan. Join the conversation on social media with hashtag UMichImpact.